Hello and welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly discussion of culture, news, and stuff as it pertains to Denver, Colorado, the most astonishing metropolitan area between Omaha and Salt Lake. This week, the best and the worst of Westward's Best of Denver issue, and patio drinks. Isn't that just an Austin thing? With me in the studio are freelance journalist uh, Jared Kang Mayer and local food writer and blogger at BigWorldSmallKitchen.com and brand expert Kaja Jankowski. And of course, your favorite washed up author and ex-journalist, me, John Dicker. All right, let's get into it. The phone book that is Westward's best of issue hit the streets last week. We're kind of going to talk about, first maybe we, let's talk about the best of issue phenomenon. Because I think sometime in the mid-80s, I don't know what alternative weekly discovered it. And it's an, it's both useful, and I've heard both sides of it, but there's also a perception that it's merely a cash cow. And it's a, you know, it's purely what these weeklies use to, to stay afloat. Uh, because not only do you have the people who won the best ofs wanting to advertise, but you have people who haven't won or won three years ago getting an ad in to make it look like they've won. I know, Kasha, you've wor- you've been an editor at 5280, which does an issue called it's Talk of the Top of the Town, um, which is basically the best of, and you've edited it. Jared, you've written for Westward, and so I'm sure you've written a lot of best of. Oh, yeah. Yep, and I when I worked at the Colorado Springs Independent, I did a fair you know fair amount of of best of stuff as well. So we've all dealt with it from the inside and from the outside. Thoughts on on is it a scam? To what degree is is it a purely just a, a capitalist scam? <laughs> to what degree? I mean, to the degree that it does bring in huge amounts of money for publishers. Publishers love love them because you can go out there and the sales force can sell ads and it's. You know, this is going to be the definitive list of the best things in whatever city, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, that's why these things are so honking thick to, to that degree. I mean, yeah, of course, why wouldn't you want to have as many of these things? And that's why you even see, I mean, how many of them are even in Denver? There's the best of Denver, which is westward. There's top of the town. There's Rocky Mountain News used to have its top of the Rockies. Yep. The Denver Post has one that's the... I don't know. They have they have some name for it. I think it's just the Colorado Guide. Channel Seven even has its A list. You know, it's it's a great way to connect directly with advertisers, especially when you're kind of a cultural publication in a particular locality, because you can say, you know, your restaurant might be the best. Get a big ad in there, and then you uh, get the plaque and you frame yeah, it and you yeah. put it on on your wall. Yep. So. But, yeah. But I think it would be unfair to not recognize what the reader gets out of this, too, because this is something that, as a reader, definitely I look forward to every year, and I look forward to the different opinions that come from those different publications, whether it be Westward or whether it be 5280. And as a person who travels a lot for work, I use other magazines and other weeklies, best ofs, all the time to find best restaurants, to find where to stay, where to go, best neighborhoods in other places. So there's definitely the money-making side of it, but there's a benefit to the reader as well. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And you know, Mike Lacey, who's the head of Village Voice Media, which owns Westward and a dozen other papers across the country, he, he had an interesting defense of it, a defense of the criticism at least, which is that you know you kind of need, in a complex urban environment, you need someone to weigh in author- with some authority on you know what what there is in the city be it you know arts and entertainment food culture etc and that's what this does and his defense was yes sure 
it you know if you're saying this is kiss our advertisers ass issue which actually what is what the stranger does or the stranger has the stranger in seattle has a kiss our advertisers ass issue which i think is hilarious and they also did they did one that was like best of uh some small town outside of seattle that was tiny i think which it would be like us doing you know best of denver you know if westward did best of of calham or best of pueblo or so anyway but he said basically for every you know for every advertiser you make happy you piss any number of of advertisers that didn't win off because you didn't pick them yeah and the funny thing about a lot of these uh best of issues and all of us having been involved with them on the inside is, you know, there's probably about five or six things in the entire city that I can have some definitive expertise on and, uh, you know, actually sit down and weigh the pros and cons of different places or different things. And then beyond that, it's like, I am just, it's just a crapshoot for me. I'm just sort of making stuff up and uh, just picking one that is among the best out of it. But I don't particularly know any better, but, you know, I have a quota to make. I have to write so many of these goddamn things, and just as long as you're not completely 100% off base, you know, you're, you're not... Are, are you suggesting that the, the best of process is not scientifically accurate? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I would agree with that, because even if you do know the best and you think the best is something that was picked the year before, you're not going to pick it again, not as the editor's choice, because you want new information and your readers and want new And that's the problem in a place like Denver, where year, year over year, it's pretty much the same places in a lot of cases. You're talking about restaurants, bars, locations... You know, it's the same places as like 10 years ago. So you have to almost even pick the one that maybe isn't necessarily the best just to get some churn so you're not writing the exact same thing that you wrote three years in a row. That's also why you have to, as an editor, pick different categories. So every year it's not the best bookstore and then Tattered Cover wins. It's, you know, the best used bookstore or the best bookstore for cookbooks or whatever it is. And then let's not forget, if you've ever seen the reader's pull that's like man you want to get depressed like when i was at the independent in colorado springs you just, your best mexican food taco bell best burger mcdonald's you know you just you go and want to shoot yourself um yeah it, and- it is it is a great lesson in the fact that most readers are complete idiots you know they may it's, it's kind of like the same way for writers i mean they have one or two things on the on the big list that they might actually care about and the rest of them they're just like oh best french fry i guess mcdonald's you know, they got pretty good French fries. But then there's the other dark side of the best of list, which is restaurants and certain businesses stacking the odds and uh, actually gaming the system so that they end up as the reader's choice just because they got everyone and their uncle and all of their whoever to go and fill out all these damn things and send it into the publication. Right. But which is, which is, I think, in a way legitimate. I will say that this year I emailed everybody I knew and had them vote for me for best blog for 5280. <laughs> Who knows if I won or not. But I was encouraged to do that by the 5280 readers, or excuse me, editors. So I know that they are expecting that in, in <laughs> their, the whole process. There's no way this is a scientific process. But then again, I think there's something to be said about, you know, you're learning something new. You're, prov- you're putting new information out there for the reader. And even though I think that this issue, at least for 5280, the top of the town issue, isn't the best-selling issue anymore. There are other issues that are either up there with it or um, pass it. It's still got a lot of um, presence in terms of the magazine's issues throughout the year. Yeah, and that's part of the thing is people say that, you know, you use this as a – can use this as a guidebook um, – 
throughout the year. And the other thing I, I find that useful useful to do, or I find it useful, is that sometimes you've heard about a restaurant from maybe one or two people, then you see it in Best of, you're like, all right, that's that's a third really high recommendation. I got to go check this out. But I was with this issue in particular, I, an example of what I like best about about it, this Westward. Yeah, there's one like you know cat food in the food category. Um, it's best best ramen, and I'm not I'm not even a big ramen fan, but just the way this is written, it's like tucked into a corner of Niwat Market grocery store. The modest Sachi Sushi spends most of the week serving up raw fish offerings, but on Sundays, owner Takuska Hibino, I hope I didn't butcher that, I probably did, cooks up a batch of authentic Kyushu style ramen that's better than anything you'll find along the front range. All right, that makes it really interesting. It's it's something that I never find otherwise. It's only on Sundays, and it's like all right. That makes me want to check this out, and I would have no way of knowing about this elsewhere. That's that's one of the things I really like about this Best of issue, and I think Westward usually does a really good job at these little niche finds. I don't know anyone want to. Well, it almost seems like the way Westward has handles it is it's less a definitive list and more just an elaborate love letter to the city of Denver, and it's like shoutouts, you know. It's like, and I I like that. It's like, what other form do they have? Where they can just randomly give shout outs to whoever the hell they want. And this And you can definitely see certain writers' uh, biases <laughs> and their personalities coming out. Like I I can read scan through some of these and even though they don't have bylines attached to them, I can say I I know who wrote that just because it fits oh, their do, personality. Do tell, do tell. <laughs> <laughs> and don't you think part of it is just disagreeing with it? Like if I don't think Steubens really has the best gravy fries and I like those at Euclid Hall better, then I, there's something like that's like, well, you're wrong. Oh, but, yeah, and that's what I want to talk about. Like because they gave best seafood restaurant to Tag, which I just find to be Larimer Square crap. It's just <laughs> like, oh, I just I want to get dressed up and appear rich. So I'm going to go to Tag, which is a horrible freaking name. I, I, did, I thought the food was overpriced and overrated. I, uh, was, so. it, was there anything that you uh, that you vehemently disagreed with in, in this issue, Cassia? Well, you know, I, I hadn't gone to that level of disagreement <laughs> at all. Um, but, you know, there are just things that I, I wouldn't necessarily pick, like Best Sandwich Shop. Love Spinelli's for its sandwiches, but Best Sandwich Shop, I'd much rather go to Masterpiece Deli, or I'd much rather go to Vare Kitchen, someplace that I think of as a sandwich shop. But they're great meatball subs at uh, at Spinelli's. Sputnik for Best Vegetarian Green Chili, I find that hard to believe. Sputnik does have go- a good menu, I, I think. Uh, but ve- Great fries. They're the watercourse vegetarian green chili, and I'm pretty. I don't think watercourse is all that, but that their green chili is really good. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that either. But one I will definitely agree with: Park Burger's best best veggie oh, burger, by, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. The only one that comes close is uh, the Cherry Creek Grill. is really, really good. It's it's just funny to me that the best. Veggie burgers are at non-vegetarian restaurants. That's that's what is amusing to me. Well, no, I think that makes complete sense because the people in that case are cooking to make good food, and they're not cooking to like make meat substitutes. Yeah, um, which often happens if you're at a vegetarian restaurant. But going back to what you were saying earlier, one of the things that I think is awesome about this is how many different places it teaches you about in the new, in the the area that I would never go to, like Best Arepas at Empanada Express in Golden. When have I been to Golden looking for Arepas? Never. But I would do it now. It would right. be an adventure. Yeah, that, and that's what I, th- I think. That's the the best part of this. And I'm pretty much like I. The whole issue to me is the is the food and drink. I don't really spend that much time on. Well, John, you're also glossing over the most 
anticipated category um, in any best of, which is the best hair on a local TV personality. Yeah, I, they all they always kind of do these wink, wink, nod, nods to the to the TV anchors, and I I don't quite get that. I mean, because it's every year. That's something that could we please skip that one year? Could we? I don't know. Do best cab driver? Like, I just do something totally random. It's instead of getting off. I mean, if they said best, uh, or here's something I wanted to actually bring up. The one of the things, the New York Press in its heyday, New York Press was was a fantastic alternative weekly in the New York in New York from the mid '90s to the early 2000s. It's actually what gave birth to Matt Taibbi, who's one of the best journalists, you know, that you're gonna find anywhere. Um, at least, yeah, I think. But um, they did the 50 most loathsome New Yorkers, or it might even have been the 100 most loathsome New Yorkers. And there was such, I mean, it was nasty. Like, it was mean. But you could not put it down. Now, granted, Denver might not have 100 most loathsome Denverites. It might only have 97 or 96. But there's something about that that I just would love to see in here. There's st- there's a little bit too much. But I, then you could say, well, John, it is the best of issue. But you can still find a backhanded way to, to bitch slap people in print. That, that's That's not that hard. And Westward knows how to do that. So that's something I would like to see, Westward editors, who I know at least one of you is listening. Well, well, go ahead. You know, I, I want to know what you guys think of just the general conceit of having some of these really obscure categories like you know, the best medical marijuana dispensary name or um, best budget Bronco jerseys makeover. The, the, the general idea of having these very, very specific kind of uh, funny categories that you can throw in, I know that at least – Dan Brogan, publisher over at 5280, in the introductions to some past top of the towns, has actually taken aim the way that Westward does this as uh, kind of being tedious and overdone year after year when what consumers and people in the city really need is something that is going to give you just a really good definitive list. We want you to know it's been fairly well researched and isn't going to do this funny ha-ha for a bunch of categories uh, I, I, yeah, I I like it when it's stuff that's inter- – it's good when it's good and it's bad when it's bad. Right. And I think what the, what Westwood would benefit from doing is just having less of those categories. It needs them because it, it makes it different and it's funny. And I don't read Westward to be my definitive list for the rest of the year. I, I read it to disagree with it, to agree with it, to be reminded of something somebody did earlier in the year. But, yeah, if you, I read five of those in a row, I'm not going to keep reading it. Yeah. Uh, but the, and one of the examples from this year, and I, I know nothing, I know less than nothing about the local hip-hop scene, but there's like eight different best of, there's like best rapper west of Colorado Boulevard, best rapper east of Colorado. <laughs> there, it, it, it gets to the point where is there a rapper that in Denver that is not given a shout out to in this issue? What are they going to do next year? Like, it, it just seemed ridiculous. And then it doesn't make me really think that they're that great of rappers. Yeah. So I'm not necessarily going to go check it out. But I might think it's kind of funny, but I'm not even going to read the whole thing. Right, whereas if they had best rapper, period, De- Denver's best rapper or whatever, then you'd be like, okay, yeah. And it could still be best rapper west of Colfax. I just had one more one more thing to beef uh, on this particular one, which was best homegrown burrito chain, Chipotle. <sighs> so it, it's also because... Westward always jerks off Chipotle on the blog. They're always in love with Chipotle. They rewrite their press releases on the food blog. Yeah, I see that. And it's just annoying because they're not that good. So what would you have picked? I don't know. Uh, Give me me time. Well, local – who else is the local – Illegal Pete's. 
They're better. They are better. They are better, yeah. Um, But the Chipotle ripped off the kind of mission-style burrito, and if you go to a taqueria in the Mission District of San Francisco, you will see how far, incredibly far off the mark they are. And it just annoys me that we that there's so many local cheerleaders for Chipotle, and it's just. I not wonder that how good. many people really feel like it's a local company anymore, either. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Well, I mean, it, it's it's just one of those like local companies that you have to. I, I don't know. Did Crocs end up in, in this? The, I didn't see in Crocs this in this. Well, Crocs and you know the few other large corporations that we actually have located in the Denver metro area always has to get boosted yeah. somehow to make us feel. Least yeah, I guess relevant. that's the thing. It's like when it goes into boosterism of, of places that don't need the boost. That that's when I really get turned off. Especially when you know Westward has the ability to pick categories that could have been like best place to get you know your own guacamole made fresh for you since they do that at. Chipotle, and, and they could have done a twist on it as opposed to Best Burrito Place. Yeah, agreed. All right, well, let's uh, let's get off this and on to far more pressing concerns like patios. Um, we're coming on to the warmer weather. We had a freak, typical Colorado, like 84-degree day, day on Saturday, and now it's cold, a little bit colder again. But patios, patio bars, where do we go? Kaja. I've got a patio that I go to for almost every occasion. I want a margarita, happy hour time. I go to Tamayo, and then I'm watching the people, and I'm drinking a frozen margarita. Where is that? It's on 14th and Larimer on Larimer Square. It's a Mexican restaurant. It's been there for about 12 years now. Okay. And they have a patio up on the second floor, so you can watch the people down on Larimer Square. Great people watching. Um, But if it's brunch time, I'm at Olivea, and I'm having like a limoncello spritzer because it's like mellow and it's easing into your Sunday, but you can go there with your parents. My parents live here in Denver. But, you know, if I'm looking for something more casual, it's like Saturday afternoon, I'm with a group of friends. We talked about Park and Company earlier. I'm totally on their patio. They've got an awesome... It's not a Bloody Mary. It's a, They call it like a tequila Mary um, that they make with tequila. Super spicy. Um, so they're just awesome that's, patios. That's the place that uh, used to be it's there on 17th that used to be the bump and grind right exactly that's exactly where it is so one block down from steuben's which also has fantastic cocktails but good luck getting onto their patio without (laughs) waiting 45 minutes uh what about you jared well uh unfortunately i don't have a great diversity in the types of drinks that i'm usually getting around 5 p.m i i tend to stick with whatever's on special and then even then lean more towards just the uh, beer or whiskey or both. So the places that, you know... Well, what about ambiance? Well, ambiance, I mean, just places to just give a nod to kind of in the Highland area. There's there's Vita, the wine place that has that rooftop area where, for now at least, until they build uh, new lofts across the street from it, you can get a really great view of downtown Denver. There's Root Down, um, which is, you know, one large patio that surrounds the entire building which on a really really nice day when the sun's hitting it you can really can you actually get into because root down is the place that like i tried to get a brunch reservation a week out and couldn't get in if you cruise in there at a happy hour you know and try and find a place out there on the patio yeah but it can get pretty crowded there and honestly i wouldn't wait much longer for a a table at root down or vita i wouldn't say their cocktails are worth waiting for (laughs) i may have great patios great for hanging out but if you can't get a seat and you're gonna get an okay cocktail i would go to one of these other places but a couple places that i do want to give note to for the uh whiskey and or beer drinker looking for very very cheap drinks after 5 p.m is the lakeview lounge in edgewater right on sheridan right across the street from um, sloan's lake it's kind of like a biker bar type place but they have a big uh 
just area right there in the front with picnic tables you can sit down. Along the same vein, go to the Larimer Lounge, uh, the old punk rock club up there in the warehouse district. They have a nice big back patio um, that I'll do. And, and for just the the, sh- the ambiance of Colfax Ave- Avenue and being able to stare at all the uh, beautiful creatures that will uh, wander up and down, that stretch is the – God, why can't I remember? Lost I, Lake? I, no, no. Well, lo- Lost Lake Lost Lake. I, I do, I do like Lost Lake. Well, Lost Lake is a good one, but um, – Streets of London. Oh, okay, yeah. They're homeless twenty, homeless looking twenty year olds with two hundred dollar jeans. Yep. Yeah, you can't beat it. <laughs> uh, I will. I I will actually be the minority opinion here, where a patio almost does not factor in to my decision on where to drink at all. And I think it's I you know starting my drinking career in New York City, I feel like I like long, narrow, enclosed bars. And if I know they're not sketchy, I know this is weird. And if they're not sketchy, I actually like bars with no windows in them. Uh, like like Gabor's on 13th. I, I love that place. There's just something I, I feel very secure about that. I like to be sheltered from the outside world when I'm drinking. Um, and it's not to say I won't go to a patio. It just doesn't cross my mind. You know, I want to drink on a patio. So I suppose I'm a bit of a freak, but I can. I can well, what we should that. really do is get like a like a darkened crate that we can seal you up in, and then bring you out on the su- sunny patio and just hand the drinks into you, and you can talk th- out through a little hole, and that way you can get the dark, enclosed, claustrophobic interior. But well, I was raised in a bubble, the, so. Yeah. so I think what we're learning here, though, is not only are there different patios, but there are different drinks that you should have on each of those patios. Because sounds like you, Jared, yeah, are I need, a whiskey I need, and beer man. Well, I need to diversify. I need to diversify here. With summer coming up. Any suggestions, Kezia? Well, you know, one of the things that I think is so cool about what's happening locally is that there's so many different kinds of liquors made locally. You know, you've got Leopold Brothers making everything from gin to, like, cherry liqueur. You've got Peak Spirits making vodka. You have Proximus making tequila. So you can do, make, you know, a wide range of cocktails yourself with local liquor at home totally you know for your tastes um on my blog i've got a whole bunch of different ones including one for a paloma which is like the most super simple more commonly drank than a margarita in mexico i think tequila. i have had one of those yeah in between a whiskey and a beer and, and your what, thoughts i i thought it was good what's actually in it it's um usually two shots of tequila so most people here would use a uh, silver tequila and then you squeeze half a lime into that put in a dash of salt and then just top it off with grapefruit soda squirt preferably uh but super easy to drink and refreshing and i think that's what i like on a patio like it's hot out i want super something refreshing not only in like that it's cold but that it's a kind of a citrusy taste to it do you have anything else that you will uh be your go-to drink when you're out there on a patio whether ordering or making yeah, totally. I mean, I, I do like margaritas. I like them classic style. I don't don't give me any margarita mix. Just give it me straight up tequila, lime juice, and um, Cointreau. Uh, so that's a go-to. Sangria is also a go-to. And I think sangria is a go-to for bars as well. You can get some great sangria around this town. Um, have you guys ever been to Cuba Cuba and their patio? Yeah, actually, I was the other day I was thinking about that um, when my, my wife brought it up because we went there a few years ago and they – where is it at? It's in the Golden Triangle. It's on Delaware, and I believe it's 12th. Um, and they have this awesome patio that's kind of strung with um, almost this, like, white sheet so you can sit in the shade, but it's super colorful. It's great for groups of friends. Um, they do all different kinds of sangria there. It's a very fun place to just hang out, and you can hang out for a good while there. And it's actually a little bit enclosed with a fence, so, John, that, that, might, that might help you along 
rather than being on the open air patio, it is uh, somewhat enclosed. <laughs> but so I'm, you know, if if I were looking for beer and a place to drink beer downtown, I would totally go to my brother's bar. I think they've got a great patio in the. And back that's there. That, that, that is dark and uh, well, inside is very dark and and the way I like it. <laughs> so so you could like go back and forth. Right. You know, you could spend some time inside and then go out and meet your well, friends. It's just like the like when it's hot in the summer, I, I really actually want to be in like a dark shady bar, not a creepy one, but like a yeah, a dark place. Well, I think you bring up a good point. It's like going to a movie theater on yeah. a hot day. I yeah. never thought about that before. I always think of dark and like, I don't know, hot toddies or something <laughs> like that. But no. Well, let's uh, let's get on to love and hate. Jared, what do you have for us this week? Oh, what do, what do I have this week? It's actually a book I've been reading called Shipbreaker by a Colorado novelist, Paolo, Paolo Bagliocchi. Bowie? <laughs> I can't pronounce his name. It, it's like impossible. Can you guys Who will be suing us name? momentarily? Paolo Paolo Bashigola. Yeah, the last okay, name. Well, Kukula, it, yeah. Either way, he's he's traditionally written science fiction, you know, adult science fiction, but this is a, a young adult novel, and it actually was a finalist for the National Book Award, and he lives um, out on the Western Slope. I, I picked it up because uh, my wife writes young adult fiction, and I have a almost teenage daughter, and so they were reading it, and I picked it up, and it's like this very dystopian tale of a post-apocalyptic future when all the oil is run out, and it's about this kid who has to work on in this area, basically like the third world slums that the United, certain areas of the United States have come on breaking apart ships. Either way, it's like, you know, has just enough sort of action and, and violence to keep someone like me <laughs> entertained the entire thing. But it's really good because what I've noticed lately with a lot of young adult novels, there's a whole string of them coming out. And the new thing seems to be like science fiction post-apocalyptic future. We did, we did Wizards. We've done werewolves and vampires, and now it's like getting into a to a really really dark place. So I recommend uh, you know anyone picking it up, even if you are not a young adult. Cool, Kaja, what do you got? So I got back yesterday from Brazil, and I was walking uh, going out to lunch because we had no food in my refrigerator. We tried to go to Steuben's for lunch and couldn't get in because Hickenlooper is there with his family. Oh, and that's what I love. What, about. Did, what did they shut the place down? No, it was just so busy, I think, okay. because he was there and, you his know. His entourage? His entourage, namely his, you know, wife and kids. <laughs> That's not too big an I just, I was just curious, does he roll with, I mean, I don't, I don't know these things. I don't know. Maybe he does. does I have he to have tell secure, you. security detail? They're probably hidden if they, if he <laughs> has one. But that's what I love about living here. You know, giving, coming back from a city of 17 million people to being in a city where you can walk by your neighborhood restaurant and the governor is eating there with his family. I thought it was pretty awesome. Well, yeah, that is cool. I saw uh, Ritter uh, online at DIA. And, oh, no way. Yeah, and he goes through the regular line. He was, yeah, he was cool. He was a citizen. Um, oh, that's <laughs> give him a, a nod? Uh, no, I was, I was too busy. A knuckle bump? <laughs> I was too busy dealing with my baby and my wife. Try, just trying to get through that whole, you know, shakedown is, is stressful. Well, good to know that you don't have to be governor either. It doesn't get you anywhere in terms of getting through those right. security lines any <laughs> yep. faster. Um, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna hate uh, since you guys loved. Well, I was gonna hate anyway. Um, so, but since on this Westward, this was comes out of the best of issue, and it's just something that always bugs me about Westward's cover. Speaking and it links in perfectly with Hickenlooper because their coverage of Hickenlooper 
is so sycophantic. It just makes me cringe when I read it. It's not just that they had this year he was, John Hickenlooper was best Colorado person to watch, which is maybe fair. I think they were kind of riding the coattails of that New York Times Magazine profile that we discussed a few diatribes ago. But also best film performance by a governor from the film that the late George Hickenlooper made, um, Casino? Casino Jack. Casino Jack. Jack. And last year it was best beer drinking politician. But if you you do a search on Westward and look at the way, how often Hickenlooper, it's like they have to meet their quota of Ask Kissy Hickenlooper coverage that's really almost always substance free. Just stop. Please just stop. It's okay. And and, and I'm not saying, suggesting anyone there, you know, is is on the take or whatever, but it's just, it's just cringy, cringy. So that's, that's my hate. That's all we got. Thanks, Kaja, for showing up. I'll, I'll, let's plug your blog again. Uh, BigWorldSmallKitchen.com. That's, that's right. That's where you can see it. And you can, I guess you can vote for it for best blog on 5280. You or, could. It's over. Uh, Voting's it's over, over now. now. Oh, well. Just read it. And we should also have anyone uh, there on Facebook or Twitter or in any other means necessary tell us where, what places that we missed were the best patio drinking uh, and drinks that we should be doing. Absolutely. Because we need all the tips we can get. Only the beginning of April. Yeah, and hit me up if you want to, if you know any really dark, scary bars that are not that scary but are very dark. That's all the friendship and drinking we have time for. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next week.